that's good. Today we're going to solve loneliness. So it's good to see you guys talking. That is delightful. That is, in essence, the solution. I, um, my personality, I'm an extrovert, whatever the line is, I'm bumping against it. So my family knows that if I've been by myself more than 28 minutes, there's a panic. Like, oh no, who left dad alone for 28 minutes? He's going to need some interaction. I was uh, shared a room with my brother until I went to college. Then I had a roommate. And I didn't have a room by my, a place by myself until I was 22 years old. And so that was fine. That was, that was good. That was, I was okay with that. But things were expensive, and I noticed I quickly had roommates again. And then the hot chick and I have been roommates now for 25 years. And that's, I, I'm just going to tell you, that's, a, that's my favorite roommate. But even I, on occasion, can have that loneliness feeling. We have an eight-year-old who, uh, we, we picked a poor movie choice yesterday afternoon for family movie time. And so she spent a good chunk of the night on the floor beside mommy's side of the bed. So we, I don't have a lot of opportunity to be lonely, but we can feel it. I was trying to, if you Google anything, Loneliness, 15 cigarettes a day. There's 100 newspaper articles that come up. So I went with the London Daily Mail because, uh, well, they had a good graph. So look at this from the London Daily Mail talking about loneliness, the, the current pandemic epidemic of our time. The first U.S. government came out, uh, website came out in, I think, 2017. You have to look it up. America's top doctor, whoops, let's go back, Derek, declares loneliness an epidemic and warns it's as deadly as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And if you notice, this was from May of 2023. So look at that second bullet point. U.S. General said the answer, uh, answer that phone call from a friend. That's, that's the key to loneliness. Unless you don't have a friend who's calling you, right? Can I get an amen? I, uh, I think that's our problem is we don't have someone who's calling us. We don't have someone that we call. So look at this graph. Lacking social connection. This is how deadly this is. This is uh, the times, the multipliers of dying early. Notice at the bottom, air pollution. Air pollution is better for our health than loneliness, as is obesity. Well, that one seems pretty popular. Physical inactivity being a, a boozer, six drinks a day. My gosh, that's, that's impressive. Six a day. Yeah, who's making that kind of money? Six drinks a day. It's not the, what did Homer Simpson say, booze, the cause of and the solution to most of life's problems. So if you're drinking six a day, that's better for your health uh, smoking 16, uh, 15 cigarettes a day is obviously worse, but six drinks a day is better than lacking social connection. So if you're drinking alone, I guess, is the worst combination of those things, at least. You know, it seems weird to say in church to have a boozer friend, but uh, it'd be better for you. It'd be, be better. So this is what the article says. Research shows Americans who have become less engaged, less engaged. Now, the very first thing this article points out, with worship houses, going to church, community organizations, 
So I'm pretty old. Back in uh, when, back in my day, my parents were uh, part of church, but my dad was a World War II vet, so they were also part of VFW. They had other organizations, but they did things. And their own family members, less engaged with their own family members, in recent decades have steadily reported an increase in feelings of loneliness. Makes sense. Loneliness increases the risk of premature death by nearly 30%. It's the stress on premature death because we were all going to die anyway. It's just a, a, you get to the finish line faster, 30%, with the report revealing those with poor social relationships had a greater risk of stroke, heart disease, depression, anxiety, and dementia. Now, look at this quote. The Surgeon General is calling on, notice the first thing in the article said we're less engaged with houses of worship. And then it went to social organizations, and then it went to family members. The U.S. Surgeon General is calling on workplaces. Let's have your job fixed loneliness. That seems reasonable, right? Those of you who are, who are bosses, add that to your list. Schools. Schools are supposed to teach reading, writing, arithmetic, and uh, some basic, you know, understanding of how to interact. I don't know that school is meant to solve loneliness. Technology companies, yes, let's make this Mark Zuckerberg's problem. I mean, come on. It said there's one solution, and now we're going to blame the rest. Community organizations, sure, parents and other people to make changes that will boost the, the country's connectedness. It's so painful to feel alone, and you can feel it in a, in a crowd, it's so devastating because we are created to belong. So we're doing this 40 days of purpose. It's a Bible study. What on earth am I here for? We finish up week two of six. If you'd like to join in, it's not too late. There's a book to read. There's the small group to attend. And uh, if you'd like to be a part of that, just let me know. We're not, we're not that many of us. You can track me down this morning, and uh, we'll get you into a terrific group. And between now and Easter, we're focusing on what on earth am I here for? And so keep up with your reading. I, uh, I bought the book so that Siri can read it to me, but the paper book, I go through with a highlighter. There's so much good stuff in there. It's, it's slow reading for me because I, I, I try to read a paragraph fast, and then I realize, nope, nope, I want that, and I go back and highlight it. It's a little longer process, but it's good. And so it's not, not too late. Read, join the group, and it's meant to be life-changing. But as this article points out, it can be life-saving if we understand what am I, on earth am I here for. And so this week, the focus is on we are created to belong. Week one was God created you on purpose. may have been a shock to mom and dad, but you're in a, God created you on purpose. The reason why the world is the way it is, the reason why God created the way the world is, the atmospheric structure and all the rest, fill the water we need water, all of that. Photosynthesis, the second law of thermodynamics, all of that. Everything goes into chaos. We have a job of bringing it back out of chaos. All that was created for us to be here. And we're here to be invited into that eternal relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's a, our bold thesis of the day is let's answer loneliness. It's a simple answer it's not an easy answer. It's simple. It's not easy. And the real important part is we can't do this alone. Because 
we live in a very individualistic society, Western culture in general, that pick yourself up by your bootstraps, you got to do your, your part, you go to school to learn a trade so that you can provide for yourself and your family. It's not that you're on your own, but we talk like we're on our own, especially living out west. Where I grew up, Detroit was way, my grandfather before World War I, his grand adventure was to go way out west. He went to Detroit. Had a grand adventure that he had to go to World War II and then he got married and then he was back in New York. My, uh, my dad had a cousin who moved to Cleveland and whenever she would visit, we would just, what's that like? What are... What are the attacks like when they come in? There's arrows everywhere. What's Cleveland like? We considered Baltimore the deep south. I'm sheltered, really, is what I'm telling you. And so when we moved out west and we found this out west on your own culture, even though most of us aren't even from here, it's easy to adapt. You drive in the garage. You put the garage door down. You don't live on your front porch. All of our life is in the back. You come to our house, you get the aerial view, and you can see the money we put into our backyard our little Oral Valley backyard with the fake grass and the, and the, the nets and the kickball and all, of this, all this back there. The front yard, I sprayed the weeds this last week. I think I put miracle Grow on it. Those things are looking healthy. Those things are looking good. But the front, yeah, the front is just to keep the HOA happy. We use the back. We don't live in society anymore. The only time we really talk to the neighbor Lou from the Bronx, is when the Yankees aren't going well and we're both out on our driveway pacing because we don't want to be around our families in that situation. That's how our friendship was forged. But most of our life is in the backyard. We take our kids to play dates. We live in a gated community. It's not really that impressive. It's just to keep the traffic down. But we live in a gated community. We have one of those uh, Tucson rivers that's all cement. And there's no water in it. The kids can walk down to the neighborhood playground. We don't even let them do that. We plan everything. Where was just the day where we just interacted? This out west, we're all on our own, leads to isolation and disconnected. We want to do things our way, which is a great Frank Sinatra, uh, Frank Sinatra song. In fact, if you look up, I think it's still true, the number one song, the popular song played at British funerals, isn't an old hymn, it's not a Christian song, it's Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. All right, it's, it's, it's a good song. It's not necessarily a great funeral theme. So we were, ex we're number one, last week we talked about we're supposed to let God love us. That's why we're here. And then we're not called to just be loved, but we're supposed to pass it on to those around us. But how can we love those around us if we don't first feel loved? And the reason why God made this world, the opening sentence in the Bible, in the beginning, us baseball fans, in the big inning, can I get an Amen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Why? So he could put us in it. Have we handled it well? No. No, we haven't handled it that well. But for as long as we last, as long as the world lasts, we're supposed to take care of it. He created the entire universe to invite us into the Father, Son, Holy Spirit relationship. That's the family of God. Have you ever talked to or even just Googled or listened to a documentary the, the telescopes that we're still inventing so we can see how deep space goes. God's big. And some of it was just created to amaze us. 
so we can explore it. I don't know why we would think we'd be bored in heaven. We're not bored here. How big God creates. Look at this. We're invited into the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's the family of God. We all get the option to participate. So the writer of Hebrews in the New Testament said, God is the one who made all things, and all things are for His glory. He wanted to have many children share in His glory. Some of us as parents, some of us got a head start on parenting, why we didn't mean to, but for some of us, got my house in order as much as I could, then Jenny and I, our household, and then we spent some years, we finished up school, we got established in our careers, and then we were excited to bring children into that. That's what God did. He wanted kids. Glory. There's a word we don't use enough. Glory. It's a good word. In the reading this week, how do we bring glory to God? Birds bring glory to God by doing bird things like flying. That's a good bird thing. That's what you're created to do. Ants gather and people love. That's why we're here. Being who God created us to be brings glory to God. Some of us in the discussions found it really powerful that when we do our job, when we use our gifts to solve problems for God's other people, that brings glory to God. It's not just when we go to church, but when we, it's not what we do, it's who we do it for brings glory to God. Our, our work is a way we, we love other people and love God, and how we love those around us brings glory to God. And then we get to share in God's glory. We get to be part of this thing that's much bigger than we are. It brings glory to God, and then we get to share in God's glory. And loneliness hurts because we're not created to be orphans. We weren't created to live on an island by ourselves. One of the most uh, frightening to me thought experiments are if you were stranded on a desert island, what five books would you take? That is the most introvert question ever created. I, I wouldn't take any book. It would slow me down as I'm trying desperately to swim. Have you ever seen those? There's always one palm tree. Now I've got to figure out how to fashion this into a raft that's ocean worthy. I can barely handle a screwdriver, but I'll figure it out. I'll be motivated. We're not created to be islands. We're not, we weren't created to be solo artists. We have that, that image of the, the grand creator working on their own and then unveiling their creation. And that's not usually the case. Everybody needs each other. We are created for relationship. The Apostle Paul, who wrote a good chunk of the New Testament, didn't even mean to love Jesus. In fact, was actively trying to kill the followers of Jesus right after Jesus went back to heaven. Like two weeks later, he was annoyed, like, like some of you, annoyed by them. I don't need your cheerfulness. I don't need your hopefulness. I'll just kill you. And then Jesus, Paul met Jesus, and then he turns into this great expander of Christianity in the ancient world. And so Paul wrote to the old Roman city of Ephesus, and he said, so now you are no longer visitors. You're no longer strangers. Now you are citizens together with God's holy people, the family of God, the people of God. You're part of that now. You belong to God's family, and you belong in God's house. 
part of God's household. The New Testament, there's this great word, household, oikos. It's a good English translation, oikos, oikos. Oikos is those 8 to 15 people that we all have in our life that know us. That when you start to tell a story, they know how it ends. If you were to get interviewed on the news, whatever you said, they would be able to call you and say, why'd you say that? That's not true. Or you could have said this. Oh, yeah, I should have said that. It's that household with every other Christian. Verse 20, together we are his house. We are God's house. I think the best church name would be God's house. That's what I want to call it. I've never gotten any traction. My logo would have been the world with Jesus in a bathrobe and sandals standing on the world like this, leaning on the world like this. See, that's the same reaction I always get. But I still say that would be tremendous. With every other Christian, together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. Church is the people. It's not the building. Church I went to in New York, I think is about uh, seven days from becoming an art gallery. It'll be a beautiful art gallery. But a local church can fail to make the impact and have to disband and join other churches. The local church building can get sold. But God's people, that's what church is, built on the foundation of what the apostles and prophets taught us. And what they taught us was Jesus, God in sandals. Church is something we belong to. It's something we become together. So the answer to loneliness is to realize that church is the relationship. The people of God taking care of each other. And the entire key, I will say, the Surgeon General missed the houses of worship. Church is the one thing that's going to last forever. What's Facebook supposed to do? They're not even popular anymore. We're going to make it Facebook's fault or Instagram or, no, I'm struggling up here because I'm not part of any of those things. Is Facebook still a thing? No. The, the 15-year-old shakes her head no. It may still exist, but oh, for old people, right? I turn to the teenagers, and so now the cheap shots fly. It's not, it's not Google's solution. You know what Google can do? You type in local church, and hopefully there's a good website that gives you a feel for what that church is. That's what Google can do. But the Surgeon General missed it, calling on workplaces and technology companies to do something. The old Simpsons character, Reverend Lovejoy's wife, somebody should do something. What about the children? What, what, what's, what's your work supposed to do? You know what your work's going to do? You do the job they hired you to do. Do it really well, and they'll pay you. That's good. That's work's job. It's supposed to solve loneliness for you. Work is supposed to give us meaning when we do it for our creator. Your cranky clients and customers, it's not who you're doing it for. You're solving their problem or doing your best job to solve it, but in the, in the name of God. You don't have to announce that. You have to just know that. Church is the only thing we can do that lasts forever. It's it. Church, that's what we can do that lasts forever because the world doesn't last forever. People don't, the individual doesn't last forever on this earth. But we're created for eternity. We should be able to recognize each other. Rick Warren last week, who did the Bible, who's doing the Bible study for us, said 
When you get to heaven, I, the, the book of Jude, the second to last book in the Bible, is only 25 verses long. How about some of, some of us memorize the book of Jude so that when we see Jude, his joke, when we say, hey, Jude, and he said, what would you think of my book? We can respond. Oh, I, I didn't know it was in there. What if you just rolled off all 25 verses? That'd be impressive. We're going to know each other in heaven. The reason the apostles and the prophets, what they taught us is the foundation Jesus is the cornerstone. What they taught us was Jesus. And what the apostles and the prophets teach us are the family stories. My favorite thing as a kid was sitting around hearing the family stories. To this day, my favorite thing to do is sit around with fun people and hear the stories. Tell me about your life. I love the honest conversations. Those, man, those are the best. I'm excited about an eternity of just really great conversations. They'll be honest. I don't know what the topic will be because we'll be in heaven. There won't be any problems, but I'm pretty excited to find out. Not in a hurry. I'm just excited to find out. But the family stories tell us that we came from something. My mom and dad met at a dance after World War II. My dad, the soldier, comes back. My mom's living in Mount Vernon, New York, with her aunt, who is a school teacher in Harlem. And my mom was working at, uh, at a map factory, a map, well, it's not a factory, but uh, a map producing place because all of the guys that worked there went to World War II, and so they hired a bunch of high school young women. I just, I just picture that boss of that place who had all these cartographers. They all go away to work in the Army, and now he gets a bunch of high school seniors in. That must have been an exciting few months for that guy. And they met at a dance right after World War II, and they had danced Good. Dad noticed mom. She put some effort into it. He noticed. And then it's 2 o'clock in the morning. The dance ends, and my mom and dad are talking in a group. And my mom said, I'm hungry. Anybody want to go get anything? And somebody pointed out it's 2 o'clock in the morning. And my dad said, because he wasn't an idiot, what are you hungry for? My dad grew up in a Jewish household. She said, fish. Well, my dad Grew up in a Jewish household. He didn't know a lot about fish, I can tell you. But he knew there was a good place in Coney Island near the roller coaster. So they drive to Coney Island. Now, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. It's not a lot of traffic, and it's not that many miles, but it's all city driving. Took a while. She was so impressed with the fish sandwich and the fact that it was his suggestion. And he did not point out he had worked all day, and he was exhausted, and he usually went to bed early. Didn't come up in conversation. My mom was the night owl. My favorite part of the story that I didn't realize until I was much older was because they were married not soon, not, not, they were married soon after. So then my dad drops my mom home, doing the math about five o'clock in the morning. And I just think how different my life would be if instead of my dad taking my mom home to her aunt's house, who was a teacher in Harlem, if my dad had taken my mom home to her dad's house at five o'clock in the morning how different that story would be. The headline, recently returned soldier shot by angry father. Didn't happen, and here we are. The reason why I wanted to hear the family stories is to know I came from something. I just didn't poof. You come from something. You, some of you guys have some crazy parent stories. Your parents came from other countries. Your parents had these incredible jobs. You come from something. Some of it we have to live up to. No, some of it we get to live up to. 
some of it we really need to overcome. We, it's where we come from. It doesn't determine where we're going. But some of it we live up to, some of it we overcome, and that's why the apostles and the prophets are the foundation of church because what they teach us is we don't come from nowhere. We came from somewhere. We're not a random coincidence. We come from specific people, and our church family says we are a child of God, created on purpose. We have things to live up to. We have some things to overcome. Every saint, if you read through the Bible, every saint, except for Jesus, who was a little beyond saint, son of God in sandals, and Daniel, who both wrote and edited the book. If you get that option in your life, I highly recommend it. Everybody else, if they're in there more than two sentences, there's at least a moment where they don't look good. Moses killed a guy with his bare hands. I don't know how your past has gone. I personally have only been even mildly tempted. Can I get an amen? I don't even want to. I don't even want to punch people. Moses killed a guy with his bare hands, and that was before God called him to lead God's people. Ephesians two nine. So the Apostle Paul wrote this to the church in Ephesus. You are members of God's very own family, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. Your most important family isn't your family of origin. It's the family of God because that's the one that's going to last forever. Hopefully, every member of your family of origin will go with you, but that's their choice. The God of the universe respects us enough to let us make our own choices. How is it a love if you're forced to be around somebody? That's not loving. So everybody gets their own choice. We're going to last forever. We can be with God, the creator of good. The entire universe was created for the spiritual family of God, the church. The answer, solution to loneliness, it's simple, it's not easy to belong. That's the life-changing, life-saving answer to the pandemic. So that's what we're going to be learning about this week in the book. We want to embrace that, get it deep into our soul, ingrained into who we are, and we're going to last forever. Fifty-eight times in the New Testament, the phrase one another is used. We're supposed to love one another, care for one another, help one another, encourage one another, support one another, pray for one another, love one another. That one comes up repeatedly, as you might expect. Greet one another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. First time I uh, brought my wife around some Italian friends. That was pretty, that was good comedy right there. Greet each other with a holy kiss. If you have Italian friends, they'll do that for you. That's the beauty of the small group. You become friends with people at church. That's why if we're not in a small group, we feel disconnected. But that group of six or eight or ten or twelve people, whatever the combination is that particular week, the magic is when we get to have honest conversation. Somebody's going through something. You know the best person to help someone who's facing anything? Loss of a child, difficulties in marriage, challenges with work or finances, or the list goes on. Is someone who also has had challenges in their marriage and challenges at work and difficulty with their finances and has lost a child. That's why we should do this together. We want to get to the moments in the small group when we can be honest and we can stop 
and pray for another person. And depending on the person, they might not want the whole group to pray. You say something to the group, well, this is my challenge this week. All right, stop. Let's pray for that. That might be great. They might also prefer if someone just does that quietly off to the side. The thing about getting to know people is we know how to encourage people. How to give them a, a pat on the back. How to give them a, an encouraging word. When we do that, we've just done the one another's. Someone's sick, you bring them a meal. Love one another, encourage one another, help one another. That's how we're part of the family of God. That's when we're part of the body of Jesus. So our question really is, the big question of the day, here's the grand finale, how would we do? That's yeah, not bad. All of that to say this, who are you looking out for? And the really key second question is, who's looking out for you? I never know when someone's not at church, should I say, hey, we missed you today? Or do you give people a little time? Because I want to show I care, but I don't want to say, hey, you came that one time. If you don't come every single Sunday, come into your house. Come give the sermon to you directly. We can do it during commercials of a football game. That's fine. How do you show someone? We want to show that we're looking out for each other. One of the the real keys to loneliness is to not just sit back and wait for other people to notice us, but to genuinely get invested in the life of others. Humility, not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. You know how it is. The more we think about our own life, it tends to be the worse we feel. It's one of the great delights of children in the house is who has time to think of their own problems. You've got models to build and behavior to correct and lots of things to clean. Our goal in this crazy world is to be able to name three or four specific people who we look out for, who look out for us. That group of 8 to 12, that's what we're after. The solution to loneliness is have people who care about us, which means... We care about them. What was the classic mom thing in the old days? The way to have a friend is to be a friend. Well, Ted, we could have just saved like 31 minutes. That's it. That's the point. It's not to call on community groups, schools, and places of work. Should you have some work friends? Yeah. You know one of the real keys? If you have a Christian friend at work... The studies show your life satisfaction skyrockets. Spent a good chunk of my adult life before coming here in New York, and I was it. I was the only Christian in the state of New York at the time, so I did not have a Christian friend. Notice the difference. It means to be a Christian that we have people looking out for us and that we're looking out for. That's what it means to be part of the family of God. We're not called just to be loved. We're called to belong. Rick Warren says, someday you're going to stand before your creator, and one of the questions is going to be, how did you treat my other children? Isn't that what mom and dad always want to know? How'd you treat my other children? 
and the thing that we're most embarrassed about is going to be helpful to someone else if we're going to be willing to say it out loud in the appropriate context. Because that gives people an opportunity to love us and to share their life experiences. The wisdom they've gained through the fact that this life is challenging. We want to be connected. Here's the thing. I know it's a lot easier to love Jesus than church. Best thing about church? People. Worst thing about church? People. Amen. People can just be the worst. Sometimes the way we treat ourselves. Sometimes we're great. Sometimes we're the worst. The fact that Jesus needed to die on the cross, if you have any questions about that, just pay attention for about three minutes of your own thoughts, people around you. So join in. It's better when you're serving others with the gifts God gave you. And the whole point of the week, the solution to the pandemic of loneliness, we are better together. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we go through the 40 Days of Purpose Bible study, would you give us the courage to trust that with, even with our faults and weaknesses, you have not only a love for us that maybe we don't usually feel, we are accepted by you more than we realize, but it's our faults and weaknesses in addition to our strengths, the gifts you give us, that give us the opportunity to serve those around us with honest relationship and conversation and solution to challenges. Lord, so often we compare our behavior to those around us, and based on our own grading system, on that, on that curve, man, we are doing great. Would you give us the courage to believe that you have created us for so much more than we can even imagine? If there's anybody here today who doesn't know you, that ABC approach to the family of God is to A, admit we're sinners. We're not going to just waltz in on our own. As Mark Twain said, our dog would be in better shape than we are. B is to believe that Jesus is the one who forgives us who makes us shiny and worthy of the kingdom of God for all of eternity. And see is to choose to embrace our standing as a child of God, to spend each and every day becoming the person you created us to be by being loved by you and loving those around us. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. And everybody said, 